Amen. Thanks, Roy. Good morning, church family. Uh, good to see you. I was hoping to see all of you all at once outdoors, uh, but we're trusting that this is what God uh, has for us this morning, and uh, thankful that you have First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 10 open in your Bibles in front of you. T- the title for today's message is Called to Serve. Called to Serve. Uh, There was a a moment, a a period of time when Jesus was walking with his disciples and one of the disciples, or two of the disciples' mother, James and John, their mom joined in on the journey and she started talking to Jesus and she was trying to reserve a place of honor for her two sons. She thought her kids were pretty special. If, uh, If you're here today with your mom or your dad, chances are they think you're pretty special too. And uh, she thought James and John were just the best and she wanted Jesus to think that they were the best as well. So she was trying to sort of uh, reserve a spot, reserve a position of greatness for her two sons who she loved so much. And Jesus said, no. <laughs> and, and then the other disciples found out about this. The other disciples got really mad at James and John. They said, you don't deserve those places of honor. We should be the, we should be the best. and We should be in those positions of honor. And they started to have this argument about who is the greatest, you know? Some of us have arguments about who's the greatest hockey player of all time. Was it Wayne Gretzky or, or Bobby Orr or Gordie Howe or Connor McDavid? There's an ongoing basketball debate about LeBron James or, or Michael Jordan. That one's obvious. But, but anyway, we often have these debates about who is the greatest. Who's the GOAT, the greatest of all time? And Jesus told his disciples, look at here on the screen, in Matthew 20, verse, um, Matthew 20, verse 26 to 28. Can we get that slide on the screen? We wouldn't have this problem outdoors. There we go. <laughs> but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, you want to be great? I'll show you how to be great. I'm calling you to be great. In fact, in calling you to be my, to be my disciples, I called you to greatness. But a call to greatness is a call to serve. Jesus has called all of us to have the mentality of a servant. Serving is not meant to be simply a, a responsibility that we have but an identity that we possess. It's not just, serving is, is, is not just something that we do, it's who we are. And so today, Peter, writing in 1 Peter chapter 4, he was with Jesus when Jesus shared those things with his disciples. Peter understood what true greatness was about, that it was about serving. And in the, in the Bible verses that Roy just shared with us, we're going to see four things that we need to remember when, if we're going to serve and serve and fulfill the calling that we've been given. Not just as something that we do, but as something that we are. Four things that we need to remember. Here's the first one. We are gifted by His Spirit. We are gifted by the, the, the Spirit that Jesus has given us, has also given us a gift, a unique gift to help us to serve. If you look with me at verse 10, it says, as each has received a gift. It says as in our English translations. It doesn't say if. It doesn't say if we've all received a gift. No, it says as. It's true. In the Greek, it just says each has received a gift. It doesn't even have the word 
as. It's not a question, it's a fact. You see, our God is a giving God. He gave us life. He gave us this beautiful planet to enjoy. And even though we rebelled and sinned against him, he gave us forgiveness. He gave us his son, Jesus, who died on the cross for us. He gave us forgiveness. He gave us adoption as his sons and daughters. He gives, he gives, he gives. He also gave us his spirit to live inside of us. Not only that, is that in, when he gave us his spirit, he gave each and every one of us a gift. Now, I don't know if there's anyone here that likes gifts. I'm pretty sure there's no one here that dislikes gifts, but, but everyone's pretty in favor of gifts. Hands up if you're a fan of gifts, okay? I think we're all, we're all pretty... We're all pretty, you know, if, if, if it was your birthday or Christmas or something like that and this was, you know, this, this had your name on it, I'm pretty sure you'd be pretty excited about it. But think about it. What if God were to give you a gift? Think about that. Think about how great God is, how powerful God is. And, and yet it t- tells us right here that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've trusted him for the forgiveness of your sins, each and every one of us has been given a gift. And the thing about a gift is you don't earn it. You don't mow the lawn and empty the dishwasher and do all of these chores to get a gift. No, that's to get your allowance or to get paid. No, a gift is something that you get that you don't deserve. You get it just because you're you. And God has given each and every one of us a gift that we don't earn. And he's given one for all of us. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says this. It says, to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The gift that God has given each and every one of us, he has given us a special way to show everyone around us who God is. You see, God is so majestic and so magnificent, we're going to spend all of eternity trying to figure out and understand and enjoy all of the different ways that God is awesome. But God has given each and every one of us a gift to show the rest of the church one one particular way that God is awesome. And there's a way that you can show that God is awesome that no one else can show. And there's a way that you can show that God is awesome that no one, you specifically have been given a manifestation, a revealing of the Spirit for the common good. And that's an amazing thing. Each of us has been gifted by the Spirit. And then if you keep reading in verse 10, as each has received a gift, it says, use it. Use it. Sometimes we get gifts that we don't use, and that makes the giver a little bit sad, a little bit disappointed. If we go to a friend's birthday party and we, we shop for a, a present for them, and then you go to the party, and then, and then you see them open up the gift, and then they put it right back in the box. They don't play with what you bought them, or they don't put on the clothes that you, that you gave to them. It makes you feel sad. It makes you feel disappointed. Socks that you never wear, a bike that you never ride, a video game that you never played, a tool you never use, perfume you never wear. The the, the giver is dishonored when the gift is not used. 
And loved ones, too often what happens with us as Christians is that God has given, this, given us this gift, this manifestation of the Spirit, and has said, here I'm giving this to you. I want you to manifest my Spirit. I want you to display who I am in this special way. And unfortunately, because we're nervous or because we feel like we're too busy or we just, haven't, we just haven't been intentional enough about it, we put the gift back into the box and put it on a shelf somewhere. The way that we honor the person who gave you the gift is by using it. Now, I remember when my older sister was dating her husband, Tom, before they got married. My, my, my sister, she, was, um, uh, she, she liked to sew things and knit things, and this was, this was a long time ago. This was when, like, remember, you know, polar fleece? Some of you are wearing polar fleece right now, but it was like a new thing. And uh, she had sewed a polar fleece vest for Tom. Again, it wasn't her husband yet. And Tom would come and visit our family, and every time he came to visit, guess what he was wearing? He was wearing that polar fleece. And, and it, was, it was honestly, I didn't recognize him unless he was wearing it. He had it on all the time. Why? He loved my sister, and he loved that gift that she gave him. And one of the ways that he showed my sister that he loved her was that he always used the gift that she had given to him. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't wear it uh, anymore. I'm not sure if it would fit anymore. But, but, they, but that was one way. It, when we use the gifts that we've been given, we honor the person that gave it to us. We show them that we love them, that we appreciate them. So we've all been gifted by his spirit. Now, Let's take a look at, so this is, this is let's, let's pretend that this is my spiritual gift. So I'm a Christian, I've been saved, I've been given this gift. So let's, let's take a look. Okay, we're taking a look inside. I don't know what you got in your box, but here's what I got. It looks like an old towel. I mean, this is, it's got... It looks like it's got some shoe polish on it, some mud on it. I mean, this is just a rag that you'd use. To, I mean, I thought if God were, if God were to give me a, a gift, oh, I mean, why would I have something that I would use just to sort of clean up muddy shoes and that sort of thing? Well, maybe there's a, maybe there's a clue in our, our Bibles. Let's keep reading here. It says, as each has received a gift, it says, use it to serve one another. The way that we're to use it is to do the work of a servant, to clean up messes, to go to dark and dingy places and make them beautiful and clean. We're commanded to use it to serve one another. So here's the first thing we've got to remember. We're, we're gifted by his spirit. Secondly, we're commanded by his word. We're commanded by his word to use the gift that we've been given to serve one another. Now, why did I use this towel to help us understand what it means to serve? Well, remember, remember when Jesus had that special meal with his disciples right before he went to die on the cross and he took the bread and he took the wine. He said, this is my body and this is my, and, and th this is my blood. Well, before that, before dinner time, Jesus took 
an old towel. And he went around to his disciples' dirty feet. They had been walking around all day in sandals. And he got down on his knees and he served them. He cleaned all of their feet. And again, Peter was there. Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet. And yet Jesus insisted that he did that. And then listen to what, listen to what Jesus said on that night in John chapter 13, verse 14 and 15. Jesus said, I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So Jesus finished up with the towel. He had all of this guck and dirt on the towel. He had just been down on his knees washing his disciples' feet and he said, I just gave you an example. What I just did, I want you to do for one another. You see, here's the amazing thing. Jesus hardly ever says stuff like this. He didn't go and preach to thousands of people in a crowd. He didn't tell his disciples, now you, I just set you an example. You preach like I just preached. He didn't perform miracles and then say, how I just made that blind man see, you go and do that. I said, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't talk like that. There's only one time where he said, do exactly what I'm doing exactly in this way. And that was when he took the position of a servant. So the gifts that we've been given are to be used, not for us, they're to be used for the good of others so that we can show love for others. You see, serving is not just a responsibility, it's an identity. It's not just what we do, it's who we are. We follow a Savior who is a servant. And so if we're going to follow him, we too must have that mentality of servants as well. Then he, Peter here changes metaphors. He's using the metaphor of a servant, use it to serve one another, and then he zeroes in on a specific kind of servant. He says, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Good stewards. A steward was also a servant. Steward, uh, the Greek word is, is oikonomos. Oikos means house, and nomos means law. It's like the, the, the house ruler, the house lawyer, the person who's in charge of the house. Most households had a bunch of servants, but there was one servant who was the oikonomos, one servant who was the boss of the house. And that servant was called the steward. And they were responsible for all of the property and all of the investments and everything to do with, 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 with running the owner's business. And that's the language that Peter here used for, he says that we're an oikonomos. We are stewards. God owns everything, but we've been entrusted with this responsibility to manage all of the wealth that God has given us. And what are we supposed to be stewards of? What are we supposed to manage? We're supposed to manage, it says here, God's varied grace. We're supposed to manage his varied grace. That word grace Charis is basically the same word as gift, charisma. So we've all been given a charisma, and we're all supposed to be stewards of God's varied charis, of his grace. You see, here's the thing. We've all been given a gift, and that gift is a unique manifestation of his spirit. 
God wants to use your gifts in such a specific way that no one else can use. Listen, the way that you think, the way that you care, the way that you help or the way that you organize, the way that you plan, the way that you create, the way that you dream, the way that you talk, the way that you listen, the way that you give, you do all of those things in a way that no one else can do. And you give and serve and create and build and organize and administrate and speak and listen and care and help. You do those things in such a way that shows the rest of the church who God is. And if you don't do those things, the church doesn't get to see that part of who God is. And you are a steward. God has given you something. And if you keep that in the box, you are not only letting down the church in showing God, or not only letting down the church in showing them who God is, but you're letting yourself down by experiencing the grace of being used by God. You know, a steward could do things in the name of the master. They had signing authority. They had all of the passwords. They had all the routing numbers. They could make, allocate resources. They could spend and buy and sell in the name of the master. We are stewards. God has given us a gift and said, go use this in my Name. That is a great privilege. So, loved ones, we're gifted and we're commanded. We're reminded that, that when we come to church, I mean, too often, unfortunately, we come to church and we, we ask ourselves as we drive out of the parking lot, did I get anything out of it? Loved ones, that should not be our question. The question should not be, did I get anything out of it? The question should be, did I put anything into it? Did, did I come ready to serve? Did I come as a steward? Did I come recognizing God has given me a gift and I have a privilege and a responsibility to use that gift for his glory? So we're gifted by his spirit. We're commanded by his word. Here's what the apostle Paul warns us about when it comes to church life. Look at Galatians chapter 5 here. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. It's a gift. We've been given the gift of salvation. That means we're free. You don't have to serve. But then he says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. And we don't come to church just to, to, just to consume, just to get what we think we want out of, out of coming here. Listen, we may have greetings, but we're not Walmart, Okay? I meant to say greeters. We, we may have greeters, but we're not Walmart. You don't just come to impersonally get what you want. No, you're, we're supposed to come, all of us are supposed to come to give as good stewards of God's varied grace. And there is a unique thing about you and the way that you do things that God has given to you as a gift, not just to you, but a gift to Hope Church. To use that gift to show the rest of the church how great God is. We're gifted by his spirit, we're commanded by his word, and then thirdly, we're dependent on his provision. We're dependent on his 
provision. It says there in verse 11, it says, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Now in the, in the Bible, there's lots of lists of spiritual gifts. In Ephesians 4, uh, Romans 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, we have these lists. And some of these lists overlap with one another. And I think and so, some things are in one list, but they're not in the other list. I believe that's because the list is not meant to be exhaustive. They're just examples of spiritual gifts that people uh, can have. But here Peter breaks it down into two categories. Notice he, he uses the word whoever twice. Whoever speaks, and then he says whoever serves. So there's some gifts that are speaking gifts. Spoiler alert, I'm using a speaking gift right now. And some of us have gifts that involve speaking, that involve encouraging, that, that involve teaching, that, that could even involve uh, uh, abilities in other languages or in prophecies. Some of us have these kinds of gifts. And we don't have time to get into the, the details of what all of that means, but there are speaking gifts. But then there are also serving gifts. There are people who have the gift of uh, helps or compassion or administration or who come alongside people or who look at something that's not quite right and fix it. These are people who have serving gifts. Some people have speaking gifts. Some people have serving gifts. And notice that the person who speaks, they're supposed to speak the oracles of God. Oracles is just sort of like a fancy word for message or word. Now you might think, well, I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't know what to say. I, I don't think I have a speaking gift because I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to say. And I, I don't know what to say. But I've got about 14 pages of content here, or 1,400 pages of content, and, and that's where I'm started. And I'll probably spend my whole life and I'll never run out of content. Because if we have a speaking gift, then what we should be speaking is God's word. And what we should be speaking is what God has already said and is continuing to say. As we often pray here at Hope Church, the person who's about to use their speaking gift so often says, God, may they not hear my voice, but may they hear your voice. So you might be thinking, I don't know what to say. Perfect. We're looking for people who don't know what to say. People who don't know what to say are the perfect people to say stuff. Because so often... So often, you know, Friday night or Saturday night, I'll be talking with Lindsay and, and I'll be talking about the message and how I'm nervous and I, I, it's not quite coming together. And she just says, listen, as long as you just read the verses and explain what they mean, you're right on track. And so you might be nervous to speak. We have speaking opportunities in Hope Kids and Youth and Young Adults and here on Sunday morning. And there's Hope Course. There's a number of different ways that we can use our speaking gifts. And if you don't know what to say, perfect. We'll tell you what to say. God has already told you what to say. And then there's serving gifts. It says whoever serves, let him serve with the strength that God provides. Maybe you're looking at your schedule, you're looking at last night's sleep, and you're thinking, I don't have the energy to serve. I just want to come to church and just have 90 minutes of peace and, and quiet. You might think you don't have any strength to be able to, to serve. But listen, if you have a gift, then you also have a responsibility to steward that gift. And if God has given you the gift, He's also going to give you the strength to use that gift. 
So whoever serves, if you're serving behind the scenes, before the service, after the service, in the middle of the week, on the facility crew, or wherever it may be, working behind the scenes in a non-speaking role, you can use those gifts in the strength that God has provided. Now you might be thinking, okay, Ted, you mentioned that there's a list of gifts. I don't really know what my gift is. I'm maybe a new Christian or I've been going to church for a while, but I've never really had this serving mentality. How do I know what my, what my gift is? Now, too often we overthink this as, as Christians. We think, oh, I, I need to know exactly what my gift is, as if somehow we're going to do something wrong if we serve outside of our gift. Listen, the way to know what your gift is, is not through introspection, but through experimentation. It's not through introspection. It's not through looking at yourself and wondering what my gift is. No, it's just through trying a whole bunch of stuff. The reason why I'm serving in the way I'm serving now is because I tried serving in a whole bunch of different ways as a teenager and as a young adult. So we encourage you to experiment just to get started. I love that. I love Olympic commercials, um, at least the ones that just actually focus on a sports and not some other political agenda. But Toyota had this, had this great commercial about Olympians and Paralympians. And, and at the very end, it, it, it said this line. It says, you don't have to be amazing to start, but you have to start to be amazing. And you could rephrase that to say, you don't have to know your spiritual gift to start serving. But you do have to start serving to know what your spiritual gift is. And so what we're aiming for today is this is just a call for you to get started. And then lastly, Peter sums it all up at the end of verse 11. He says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The last and final point is this, that we're motivated by his glory. We're motivated by his glory. The aim is that in everything, everything that happens in the church, the small little things like sweeping up or sanitizing the children's ministry area afterwards or setting up the stanchions for those those little bank or airport things so that people know where they're supposed to stand or people who are speaking or singing or turning dials at the back on the production team, whatever it may be, that in everything God may be glorified. We are motivated by his glory. That is the aim. It's not what I'm getting out of church, it's what I'm putting into you. It's not about us, it's all about God. One of the amazing things about having the mentality of a servant, when you get down on your knees and and get a towel out like this, is it destroys pride in our life. And it builds humility. There's just something, it just, it just happens. Now. When we come in a situation, when we walk into a room, when we arrive on Sunday morning, when we do this at the workplace or in our homes as well, when we have the mentality of a servant, loved ones, it destroys pride and it builds humility. We're motivated by his glory. It doesn't matter if it's convenient or not. It doesn't matter if we'll get recognition or not. It doesn't matter if we'll be fulfilled personally or not. It doesn't even matter if it's exciting or interesting work. All that matters, our motivation is the glory of God. Loved ones, let me leave you with this as as we think about these things, as we think about our our own lives and what it will mean to serve 
in our local church, just remember this. Joy comes not in what you're doing, but in who you're doing it for. Joy comes not in what you're doing, but in who you're doing it for. When, you, when we have the glory of God as our motivation, love was it doesn't matter what the needs are. It doesn't matter where we end up serving or what we end up doing. If we're standing in front of people with a microphone or we're working behind the scenes scrubbing something with a toothbrush, what matters is that we're doing it for God and we're doing it for his glory. And so let me pray for us as we think about how this would apply to our lives uh, personally. So Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus right now, who is the servant, who is the Son of Man, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus, the great servant. Lord, we want to be used by you. We recognize that you have given us gifts we want to be faithful stewards that have, been, that have been entrusted with this identity as a servant and with these gifts that you have given us to build up the church. Lord, we want to we just take a moment right now and recommit ourselves. Maybe we've never served at Hope Church. Maybe we have, but, but COVID or even before COVID slowed down the frequency or, or whatever it was. Lord, I pray that you would do a work right now as we look at what you have given us, as we look at our lives, Lord, and that we would just tell you, here we are. We are your servants, God. We want to be used by you. So Lord, we pray for your help and your grace right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.